From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. As we begin this new year, we invite you to hear Dr. Cairns as he continues a series of studies in the earthly life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, messages that focus on the Savior Himself, as revealed in His teaching and miracles, His atoning death on the cross, and His glorious resurrection. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, as found in his collection called Morning and Evening. This morning's text is found in Second Samuel chapter 7 and verse 25. Do as thou hast said. God's promises were never meant to be thrown aside as waste paper. He intended that they should be used. God's gold is not miser's money, but is minted to be traded with. Nothing pleases our Lord better than to see His promises put in circulation. He loves to see His children bring them up to Him and say, Lord, do as Thou hast said. We glorify God when we plead His promises. Do you think that God will be any the poorer for giving you the riches He has promised? Do you dream He'll be any the less holy for giving holiness to you? Do you imagine He will be any the less pure for washing you from your sins? He has said, Come now, and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Faith lays hold upon the promise of pardon, and it does not delay, saying, This is a precious promise, I wonder if it be true. But it goes straight to the throne with it and pleads, Lord, here is the promise, Do as thou hast said. Our Lord replies, Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. When a Christian grasps a promise, if he does not take it to God, he dishonors him. But when he hastens to the throne of grace and cries, Lord, I have nothing to recommend me but this, thou hast said it, then his desire shall be granted. Our heavenly banker delights to cash his own notes. Never let the promise rust. Draw the word of promise out of its scabbard and use it with holy violence. Think not that God will be troubled by your importunately reminding Him of His promises. He loves to hear the loud outcries of needy souls. It is His delight to bestow favors. He is more ready to hear than you are to ask. The sun is not weary of shining nor the fountain of flowing. It is God's nature to keep His promises. Therefore, go at once to the throne with Do as thou hast said.
In this day of many uncertainties, the political unrest, widespread violence, and moral confusion, people are asking, what is it all about? What does life mean, or does it have any meaning? Thankfully, there is one place where despairing men, women, and young people can find the answers to those questions, the Holy Bible, God's inspired, inerrant word. The Apostle Paul, speaking of the gospel, wrote, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed. He was referring to the righteousness that God gives to sinners on the basis of Christ's death on the cross. A medical doctor who found life's answer in Christ has written a brief summary of the central teaching of the Bible in a booklet called The Meaning of Life and the Love of God. In a few clearly written pages, he explains how sinners can find forgiveness and redemption in God's blessed Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. For a free copy of The Meaning of Life and the Love of God, simply email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you wish, you may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. If you prefer regular mail, simply write, Let the Bible Speak. 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Just ask for your copy of The Meaning of Life and the Love of God, and we'll be happy to provide it.
On today's edition of Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns continues this series of studies in the life and earthly ministry of Christ as he brings the next portion of a message entitled, The Tide of Virtue and the Touch of Faith. The text is Matthew chapter 14, verses 34 through 36. Following the feeding of the 5,000 and the miraculous walking on the water, Christ returned to the region of Gennesaret. Immediately he was thronged by a vast multitude of people who began bringing great numbers of sick and afflicted folk to him. In their faith they believed that merely touching the hem of Christ's garment would bring healing. Their faith was rewarded not only with the healing of the body, but with the salvation of the soul. The lesson here is that the Lord Jesus Christ has virtue enough to meet every need of those who trust in him. Now here is Dr. Cairns to continue this message, The Tide of Virtue and the Touch of Faith. The person of the Lord Jesus Christ stands apart from every other person who ever lived in this old world. In a total and complete separation, though he is truly man and bone of our bone, yet his person is so completely different in his moral purity, in his personal perfection, as to have no one, not Moses, not Abraham, not even Joseph, against whom we read of God making no accusation, not Peter, James, John, Paul, or the whole lot of them put together, none of them can compare to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason for that is that the basis of the person of Christ is his eternal deity. The Lord Jesus Christ is not merely a son of God in the sense that angels are son of God, sons of God. He is not a son by appointment. He is not a son by creation. He is not God's son by God's decree. He is God's son by eternal essence and necessity. God the Son... God did not choose to be a trinity. God essentially, necessarily, changelessly, and eternally is a holy trinity. Jesus Christ is eternal God, co-equal, co-eternal with the Father and the Spirit possessed of all the perfections of eternal deity. The infinite wisdom, love, and power of God are in him because they are his divine perfections, and in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Oh, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is a problem of man insoluble to the wisdom of God? Is the need of man deeper than the omnipotence of his God? Thank God 
there is no need even to consider the possibility. Our Savior has as the basis of his person his eternal deity. But let me say very humbly, very reverently, that eternal deity could not do what Jesus did for the bodies and souls of men without the miracle of the Incarnation. When God stepped into history, when, to use the words of John chapter 1, the Word was made flesh, to use Paul's term in 1 Timothy 3.16, when God was manifested in the flesh, when God took a true human nature, body and soul, into a personal and unbreakable union with himself, so that the person of Jesus Christ is God, and yet he is man, without confusion of natures, two natures, in one perfect, indivisible person for all eternity. God is able to save and to atone because God became incarnate. Oh, I want you to see the person that stands before you this morning. It's not a puny little preacher. I want you to look beyond the pulpit and see the Savior. There's virtue enough in Jesus Christ to meet you where you are today with all the need of your heart, known to man or unknown to man, with all the depths of the needs of your soul. Let me tell you, there stands one before you who is God manifested in the flesh for the very purpose of meeting those needs. Delivering those souls. Oh, there's virtue enough in him. Not only is he perfect God and perfect man, therefore the unique person, but in him is the virtue of a life of absolute perfect obedience to God's law and God's command. Theologians call this the act of obedience of Christ. I understand what they mean. It's not happy terminology in some ways, but it will do for the moment. The idea is that throughout his life, the Lord Jesus Christ was not just a victim. We speak of him as the victim led to Calvary when he stretched out on the cross as the Lamb of God. But the idea in active obedience is the Lord Jesus was not just a victim. He was the willing, yea, indeed, if I could use the word, he was the eager obeyer of God's law. Now remember this. I don't want to get too theological, but I want you, you must understand, I said these things are obvious, but the trouble is, 
that the obvious is now unknown. Remember this, when God created our first parents, he set them under a covenant of works. And according to that covenant, if they obeyed, they would live. The word live has in it all the blessings of God, all the fullness, all the virtue of his favor, all the mighty provision of his hand. If you obey, you live. That was the covenant of works. And of course, our first parents shattered it in the garden. The Lord Jesus Christ comes as the second man as the last Adam. Now, understand this. You and I, if we are saved, we are under the covenant of grace. We're not under a covenant of works to do this and you live. But we have only a covenant of grace because Jesus Christ, the last Adam, placed himself strictly, joyfully under a covenant of works. Our salvation has to be earned. Our salvation has to be worked for. And if we can't work for it as we can't, thank God he worked for it. Man, what a work he did. What a work he did. God's promise in the covenant of works is perfect holiness will merit perfect blessing. Thank God our Savior provided a perfect holiness, a perfect righteousness, a perfect obedience, a total compliance. There was nothing in his mind to which God could take exception. There was not the slightest shadow of the hint of a suggestion of even a desire to depart from perfect obedience in his mind, in his heart, as well as in his words and in his actions. There is virtue in the obedience of Christ. And thank God that obedience led him all the way to the cross. It could not be perfect obedience or complete obedience unless it led to Calvary, where having lived the perfect life, he laid that life down in one complete sacrifice for sins, one unrepeatable sacrifice for sins, one sacrifice that God received then and forever. And so perfect is that sacrifice that not only does it not need repetition on the earth, but when you read the description of it, as the blood is in heaven, it is ever fresh. John describes him as the lamb freshly slain. Oh, years have gone by, but as far as God is concerned, that blood is as fresh that blood is as efficacious, that blood is as powerful and virtuous today as the moment it was presented at his throne. Thank God this morning there is virtue enough in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now understand what this means. This means there is no fear of our needs ever being too great for the Savior. Now, let us let that sink in. It's so simple. It's, again, one of the obvious things that we, 
we let it slide over our heads. You look at this congregation this morning. I can see faces. I cannot see hearts. But I will guarantee there's not a pew, there's not a row in this congregation. I will go further. There is not an individual in this congregation this morning but is beset by great need. Some of you need to be saved. If you died in that seat, you'd be damned in God's hell, and you know it. Unsaved, unregenerate, unrepentant, unconverted. You need to be saved. There are people here who are saved, and you know you're saved. You can see in your life when God stepped in and Christ redeemed you and Christ changed you and made you a new creature, and now you've passed from death unto life. But where you sit this morning, you know that as far as your fellowship with God is concerned, you're far off. Backslidden in heart and perhaps even in behavior. You sit in God's house this morning, icicle cold to the things of God. Gone are the days when you delighted in the book of God. Gone are the days when you could say the throne of grace was the sweetest refuge for your soul. Gone are the days when you rejoiced in the fellowship of God's people. Gone are the days when your lips were red hot as you spoke of the love of Jesus. Today you find yourself cold and barren and far off from God. I tell you there are people here who sit before God this morning with a great need. There are others your body's racked with pain. The future is very uncertain. A great cloud hangs over your home and over your heart. There are others and you're struggling in prayer for your sons and for your daughters, wondering how it is with their soul, praying that God will bring your loved ones into Christ. There are yet others, and there are stresses in your mind that I know nothing of, stresses in your home, stresses in your marriage, stresses in your business, I tell you, look at this congregation, and you have Gennesaret all over again. But I want to tell you, there is no danger of our needs being too great for the Savior. You think of why the Lord Jesus came. When the Father appointed him to come into the world... He called him my servant, mine elect. I have put my spirit upon him. He says he shall not feel, he shall not be discouraged. Listen carefully. He says, I have given him for a covenant of the people, for a light to the Gentiles to open the eyes of the blind, to bring out the prisoners. 
and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. When Jesus came on his public ministry, he says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He hath anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The passage from which he was quoting in Isaiah 61 goes on to say, to appoint to them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Men and women, that's why our Savior came. He came fully equipped to do the job at hand. His saving virtue and power extend to meet every need. You've been listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We are here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. If you would like to receive our booklet, Separated Unto the Gospel, a booklet that sets forth the beliefs and standards of the Free Presbyterian Church, you may have a copy free of charge, simply for the asking. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www. .fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak.